Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious God, as we center our hearts around your word, as we center our hearts around learning more about ourselves and others, we come to you to understand better how you knit us and created us in, our, in the womb. You knew us before anyone else. You know our good. You know our dark. Lord, help us to be closer and closer to you, to let the light shine. May the words that I say be acceptable and pleasing to you, and may they speak in some way to all of us, no matter whether we're this type today or not. May they speak to all of us about your presence. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together, amen. So each week, once again, we've been applying the Enneagram types to characters in the Bible and what we can learn from each of them about us and our relationships. As always, we find all of these notes are in our uh, sermon notes under you version. You can go to the link that's on the, website, on the Facebook page. You can go into your actual app and do that every week. Ryan is loyally putting up there. See how you worked in six for that. That's good, loyal. Loyally putting those up. So you can go back and see them all. They're all right there. It's so awesome because I'm directing everybody back to that. There is a video. You can download MP3. You can see all those notes piece by piece um, from it. And if you want a particular sermon, just let me know because they're all written out. So, you know, I preach from a manuscript, so I can always send you every single word. That's what you want. But most of all those notes are up there, contain most of those things. And so far we have learned about five, say five, the investigator or observer with the Magi, Thomas and Nicodemus. And once again, I won't ask the fives to make any kind of noise because they don't like that. But, uh, you know, so fives like myself lift our hands up and just look very small and very present. So there's fives. Will you put your hand up because you're a five? All right, see. Rick's a five. You can. Then there was the eight. Say eight. The challenger or leader with John the Baptist and Samson. Now, eights like to like like to make more noise, so eights, give me something out there. Where are my eights? Say eights. There you go. Got both sides, eights. Followed by one. Say one. The reformer, the perfectionist with the Apostle Paul. Where are the ones? One, shout out. One, yay, one. That was, that was great. Two is commonly known as the helper. That was the story of Mary and Martha. Help me out, twos. Twos, give me some twos. Hey, two, wake up. Hey, you. Hi, two. You missed your moment. You missed your moment. I know, right? And last week it was the three, the achievers. Three, shout out. Three. Oh, it was week threes. I don't know. There must be some threes in there. What, what, over there? I heard a three. Oh, is he a three? Alex is a three? Alex is a three. What? That's right, Al. There you go. Al's a three. He's already achieved because Al said something about fact is we needed more greeters at the door, and so Al offered himself up. So Al has been a greeter at the door, and uh, so that's how achievers work. They see something, they see the need to fix it, and then they step in and they take care of it. And today on week six, of course, it's time for six. Why not have that? Now, we actually switched it around because uh, you may have saw that it changed in the sermon series, because I learned that three sixes were going to be on the youth retreat. Jared is a six, and Katie Bradford is a six. And, and so I had all these I had those people on the retreat that were sixes that were going to be there. And then also Katie Presley is a six, and so they, all get, they weren't all there together, but I didn't want anybody to miss that. So 
That's why we did six today. And according to some Enneagram teachers, there are probably more sixes than any other type. Because if you've ever wondered kind of like how many, like percentage-wise, what the biggest type is and that sort of thing, well, they think that six is probably that type. The world needs sixes. They're also called loyalists. To ensure that the community is preserved, they're prepared when disaster strikes. Just like the name, you're loyal and committed. Reliable, hardworking, responsible, trustworthy. Excellent troubleshooters. They foresee problems and they foster cooperation. They're internally stable and self-reliant. Courageously championing themselves and others at their best. And like Ruth, you care deeply about the people and places you're called to. We hear these words from from Ruth 1, 16 through 17. It says, but Ruth replied, you might know the story, of course, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. And these are the words you usually know. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. That's also in a song. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more, so if even death separates me from you. Ruth was loyal. In an unhealthy state, you can let fear dictate your choices. But like Ruth, you can learn to take risks that lead to great joy and God-centered glory. You see, trust is a big issue for sixes. If you have earned their trust as a leader or a friend or a spouse... They'll be with you through thick or thin. They won't jump ship. But sixes can also be some of the more skeptical people in your life. Often sixes find themselves playing devil's advocate, asking probing or even accusatory questions. They aren't purposefully trying to be obnoxious or derail the whole system. They just want to know that those in charge have everything under control and have planned for anything that can and will go wrong. You see, sixes are worst-case scenario thinkers. They live in the world of mites and coulds and hypotheticals. If there ever was a real disaster or problem, you want a six around because they're already gone through the scenario multiple times in their head. Sixes are more likely to actually count the number of rows to the exit on the airplane and pay attention to the safety briefing before takeoff. Just in case. Are you a six? LaDonna. 98%. Okay. <laughs> Jack is a two to be helpful to them. Nice job. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this, place, this stuff is awesome. So the more we looked at different tests, even, and results, the more that my strongest wing, Susan and I were talking about this, my strongest wing appears to be actually more a six. This is going to keep moving around on you. you got to spend a little time on it to figure it out. And these are all free tests. If you, want, if you really want to know what you are, then you got to dig a little deeper and pay a little bit of money and all that kind of stuff. But, but it seems like when we're reading all the questions, the biggest way to figure out your wing is to read all the questions for both types and then see which one matches you more, if it's one or two differences. And we were reading all these questions for a six and all that first part right there. And Susan's like, oh, yeah, your, your wing's a six. It's not a four. 
Because the, the, the wing, you have a five with a wing of six, is called the troubleshooter. That's, <laughs> and the wing with a four is called the philosopher. I'm just not a, I'm not a philosopher. And so when you look at these things, six is their safety in numbers. They live by the Boy Scout motto. Who's been a Boy Scout in here? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been a Boy Scout. Okay. All right. And the Boy Scout motto is, well, because the Boy Scout motto isn't the same thing as the Girl Scout motto, so we're not doing this, all that. The beast Boy Scout motto is what? Is it really? All right, good. How many Girl Scouts have you got in here? Raise your hands. Awesome. Same motto, huh? Well, it's been the, the Boy Scout motto came first, so yeah, it's the Boy Scout motto. Then the Girl Scouts are formed. I know. It's awesome. So, so then the mantra to get a six through the day is always be prepared. You should see me pack for a trip to go somewhere. Susan loves me packing for a trip. I will pack for every possible occurrence, every possible thing that can go in there. It is Katie Presley. She's a six. She knows it. All uh, right. And your bag is always something, Katie, for something, right? We asked you, like, on a, on a mission trip, we asked Katie for something, and she pulled it out of her bag. It was just like, oh, look, it's one of these. You need this. It's like, you know. Is that? Well, yeah. So that's another reason why I think six is obviously high. So the six wing really comes out when I'm packing because I have a hard time stopping the pack. Actually, have I gotten everything? Have I gotten it all? And every number on the Enneagram lives in some sort of inner tension. All of us do when we look at it. For sixes, that tension comes in relationship to authority. As children, sixes picked up on the fact that the adults in charge can't always be trusted. So as adults, they're inherently skeptical of those in power. At the same time, though, their greatest need is a sense of safety and security. So the tension is between authority and safety and security. So some sixes end up trusting too strongly in human authority figures or inevitably let down at some point. Other sixes end up distrusting nearly all authority figures in order to protect themselves from that same disappointment. This is the difference between phobic and counterphobic sixes. All sixes must deal with their fear. Phobic sixes tend to have more of a flight response. That's fear. Whereas counterphobic sixes have more of an aggressive fight response. They're going to stay and fight. Consider the wings of a six. A six with a seven wing is the buddy. And I'll tell you because she told me last night, and she'll want everybody to know for sure, Mark's mom, Harriet, is a six with a seven wing. She's the buddy. You know? And so... They're more extroverted, materialistic, sociable, playful, funny, energetic, active, and impulsive. That's your mom, right? <laughs> but the six with a five wing is the defender. They're more introverted, intellectual, cautious, focused, paranoid, anxious, and standoffish. My people I mentioned earlier, Katie, Katie, and Jared are all five wings. And it fits. It fits all of your personalities when we think about it and we talk about it. The best character study of a six, though, and I think with a five wing in the Bible, is one of Jesus' disciples. This disciple was one of Jesus' most loyal companions and defender. He was faithful, but sometimes fearful. Fiercely loyal to his master, Jesus, he was prepared to die with him. 
And who is this loyalist? Who do you think it is? Peter. I can't think of a better character in the Bible that represents a six. The loyalist. The defender. He began life as Simon, but would later be called Peter or Cephas, which means the rock. But Peter definitely had his share of screw-ups and times of foot-in-the-mouth disease, recorded for all of us 2,000 years later, which just shows you, as we said before, we all have that part of us, that darker part. And if we own up into it, think about how much you've learned from Peter from his mistakes, not just the things that he was good at or did well. For instance, in Luke 22, we find ourselves in verse 31, and we're jumping around a lot of scripture today. Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon. First of all, recognize he calls him by Simon, not by Peter. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. The loyalist, the defender, right? And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Peter was the foremost among the disciples, not because he was the most lovable or the most knowledgeable, but because he was the most committed to Jesus and the group. Peter latched on to Jesus as an authority figure like none other in his life. You see, the loyalist is part of the head triad we talked about, and you can find again your bulletin this week, the different triads, along with the fives and the sevens. But a six, when under stress will start to show the average to unhealthy characteristics of a three. Say three. That's the achiever. We learned about them last week. And that's in the heart one. They become competitive and arrogant. They avoid feeling anxiety by being busy. They are reluctant to try anything if failure is a possibility. They react out of their heart. Like when the mob comes to arrest Jesus... Peter even slices off someone's ear. Simon Peter then, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear, and the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put the sword in the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Peter, in a moment of his heart, did the exact wrong thing that Jesus did not want him to do. And in typical sixth fashion, Peter also flees when things get tough. Remember the two different kinds, phobic or counterphobic, sixes. And he famously denies association with Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. What a failure. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, Luke 22... And had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. And she looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, meaning Jesus. Verse 57, But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. 
About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. Because I could tell by the way they spoke. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine that? The Lord turning and looking straight at you after you've just denied him three times. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disavow me, disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. But he was also the primary one entrusted with carrying on Jesus' mission after the resurrection and the ascension. Who was the first to confess true belief in who Jesus was? That was weak. Who was the first one to confess belief in who Jesus was? Ooh, that was good. That was a good one. Went really well with it. Thank you. Who played devil's advocate when Jesus told the disciples he was going to be killed? Who jumped out of the relatively safe, relative safety of the boat during the storm and the certain terror of the raging sea in order to be near Jesus? Who is the closest friend and confidant of Jesus? Who is the leader of the disciples? Who was willing to fight and die for Jesus? Who, when push came to shove, who gave in to fear time and time again? Who was able to overcome his fear and deliver one of the most powerful sermons in recorded history? And who did Jesus want the women to specifically tell about his resurrection? Peter. Peter. Again and again and again. Peter attached himself to Jesus, but he also had his own fears and anxieties to overcome. And Peter had a hard time coming to grips with the fact that Jesus was going to leave them. When Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me, I'm sure he was speaking directly to Peter. As a six, Peter needed as much reassurance as he could get that everything was going to be okay. Jesus basically telling Peter, you've trusted me this far. Trust me a little more. And all those times that Jesus had to say, do not be afraid, I'm sure he was speaking directly to Peter. Because like all of us, sixes have a core sin or fear. We all have our dark side, that deadly sin. And for a six, at the core of fear, their core fear is fear. It's just fear. It's fear of all kinds. A fear of being without support or guidance. They have a fear of fear itself. Being in danger, uncertainty. Being in danger and uncertainty. Chaos, not having support, security, and guidance. I wonder, you know, I have a fear of heights. I'm in a plane, though, I don't have that same fear. But when I'm going out over the edge of something, and even if it has a rail, the only thing I can think of is that rail will fail. And I wonder if that's not related in some way to that, that whole sense of things, of that fear. That things aren't, you know, what could go wrong could go wrong. People used to play at the edge of the rock, like we go out to Stone Door and that sort of thing, and my idiot friends in college would think it's really funny to start pushing you towards the edge. 
you know, what could go wrong could go wrong. That must play a role somewhere in the core of a six. They also fear being blamed or in trouble or alone or targeted or helpless or unsafe or physically abandoned. Fear is the core thing that a six has to work past and overcome. It's the kind of place that Peter felt like after the death of Jesus. And there's that conversation that Jesus and Peter had on the beach after his resurrection that always gets me. It's one of my favorite parts of Scripture, that conversation at the beach. Because it hits at the core of Peter and sixes. And maybe it hits at the core of all of us when he says these words. In that Scripture, three times, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Do you love me? From that passage in John. And three times Peter replied, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus' response to Peter's affirmation of love is an instruction to take care of others. Feed my sheep. Don't focus on me. You need to let me go. And if you love me, then you'll show that by feeding my sheep, not by loving me. And Jesus made it clear that he wasn't playing, sticking around for a long time, but obviously he came back to do something. He knew Peter needed to have that moment, but he still had to leave. But he promised he would not leave them or us as orphans, that he would not leave us abandoned. And Jesus is redirecting Peter away from a single point of loyalty to a more group-oriented commitment. Jesus is encouraging Peter to step up and commit not just to Jesus, but to the whole group and be the leader he was created to be. Jesus knew that Peter the loyalist was going to be the glue that held the group together, and that is exactly what happened in history, in the beginning of the church. Peter was stronger than he knew. And Jesus saw that from the very beginning. And that's why he changed his name from Simon to Peter in the first place. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus already knew who Peter could become. That Peter was going to be that solid bedrock upon which everything else would be built. That foundational member of the group. And it took some time for Peter to see in himself what Jesus had seen all along. And when moving in the direction of growth, a six will start to show the healthier side of a nine. Say nine. Nine is the peacemaker. Nine is next week. My friend who's a nine is preaching, Davis. They become more trusting themselves. They're more open to life in others. They empathize with others and see their viewpoints. They learn to relax, be present in the moment, to not be so hyper-vigilant. Someone first noticed when I started that this is this that the three, six, and nine are a perfect triangle. See it? It's the only perfect triangle on the Enneagram. Which is very interesting. They all go to each other. 
like mine, like I'm a five, I go here and I go here. But this is a perfect triangle, head, heart, and gut. This is very interesting. Sixes, you must know that you are stronger than you think. That you are more capable than you think. Sixes, hear again the words of the Master. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And I saw this picture that was very interesting. And it has these words on it. Unknown who said it. But every type can take something from this. Worrying doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Worst case scenario, things are going to go bad. None of that really helps. But it takes the peace away from today because we can get so worried about tomorrow. I sense some of that in myself. Type sixes are driven to seek support and security from their community. They have a propensity to worry and fear that everything will somehow go wrong. They seek direction as much as possible to combat this anxiety. Type sixes and all of us need to remember that you and we have the ultimate security of God's protection and love. Amen? Have to remember that. The ultimate security of God's protection and love. The Bible verse, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We all need to hear that, but especially sixes. It needs to become part of your heart. And God's invitation for you today and all of us is this. I invite you to be free from the fear of uncertainty and the false notion that you must be watchful and diligent to assure your protection from harm. You are safe with me. I am a faithful God who will always be with you. Six is we value your leadership, your loyalty your commitment, and even your questions. You are the bedrock of our churches and families and organizations. Without you, we would all tend to simply drift apart from each other. You keep us grounded and secure. You help provide us with the security you so desire for yourselves. Are you a six? If not, what is your number? Peter had a lot of struggles. And I'm so thankful that in the Bible that they don't whitewash it and somehow make it seem like he was just perfect. Gosh, he was loyal. He was loyal from the first command he received, take the book, the boat out, go in deeper water, even when he said, you know what, I'll do it, but guess what, nothing's going to happen. I can tell you right now, worst case scenario, we're going to get nothing. I've been fishing all night on this boat and gotten nothing. 
Take it out in deeper water. All right, I will. Always loyal from the very beginning. And because he was loyal, many things happened. I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying to you, you're going to be the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. This person who thought he had nothing, this person who thought that he wasn't good enough, who had no education, all of these things. And then there he was, sitting at the table. Now imagine this from Peter's perspective. Now you kind of can apply to the disciples, and at some point I'll try to unveil what the numbers might be for each disciple. But imagine the six, the loyalists, around the table at the Last Supper. And he's about to receive these words, which he's not expecting, which are, I'm going to leave you. You will not see me. My body's going to be broken for all of you and given in love. And you can imagine Peter's heart's like going, I don't understand what's even going on. What are you saying? You're going to leave us. You're going to be with us. Remember all the times when he said, when Jesus would tell him, I'm going to go, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be resurrected, all these things. And Peter says, no, no, it's not going to happen. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Because in that moment, fear has taken over Peter. And he can no longer see what's important. In this moment, in the same way, Jesus says, my blood is going to be poured out for you and for many and for everyone to forgive their sins and to give them new life. And Peter's like, but I want your life now. I want who you are. You can't leave us alone. Plus, Peter's probably thinking the fact is, you told me I'm going to be in charge. If you're not here, then I'm really in charge. I'm going to have to make decisions and do things and lead this community without your guidance, without your help. And that's why he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I will send one more powerful than I to be able to help you. And I will be with you to the end of the age. And so this table reminds us of the fact is that Jesus is always present with us. That God has not abandoned us. That God is with us all the time. Stand strong. Be courageous. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go and will not leave your side. So whatever you're facing now in your life, you're not alone. Don't let the fear overcome the power of God and the presence of God and your faith in God. Invite those that come forward who are serving as I pray over these elements. Gracious God, in these moments, remind us of exactly what you gave for us and the depth of your love for each one of us. Pour into this bread and this juice the reminder of your presence that never leaves us. Let us hear your words to our hearts. Let us feel the faith in ourselves. Now pour out your spirit on these things. Let them be for us the body and blood blood of Christ redeemed by his presence and through your Holy Spirit. We ask and pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Everybody said, Amen. Dada, Amen.
invite you this morning to come forward as you are led to receive, to know his presence, his loyalty to us as we are loyal to him. The body of Christ broken and given.
in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Loyalty is everything. If we're loyal to Him, He can be loyal to us. Even when we're not loyal, He's still loyal to us. Release your fear, sixes and others. You can't plan for everything. You can't imagine the worst case scenario every time in life. There is so much good. There is so much faith. If we let go of that fear, He will be with us. He promised that. God will never abandon us. will never leave us forsaken. Stand up. Be courageous. Stand on the rock. The rock of the church. The rock of Jesus. And even Hades itself will never be able to storm its gates. Amen.